Hey, Lewis here. I mean, obviously it's me, right? I'm the only guy who actually runs this freaking show. Anyways, I'm here to tell you about something that I'm working on that I'm really excited about. It's not going to be ready until later this year. However, I'm going to give you the lowdown on it so you can get it for free. Here it is. I am going to be releasing a podcast monetization masterclass. I've been spending the last few months on this, building it, refining it, even training my team on how to use this with our own clients. When it is out and finally published and ready, it will be anywhere from, I'd say, $47 to $197. I'm not sure what I'm going to price it at yet, and there'll be a lot of bonuses that go with this course as well. However, the first 100 people who actually raise their hand, say they want it, and actually go through the course and give me good feedback are going to get it for free, okay? So if you want to be one of those 100 people, there will be a link to a page where you can sign up and add your name to it and your email, and then I will send you the 1.0 version of this course when it is out, all right? You'll be one of the first 100 people. Once I hit 100 people, I am shutting it off, and it will be a paid product, and that will be it, all right? So make sure if you want this course for free, be one of those 100 people because that is the only way you will be able to get it for free. All right, that is it. Now back to this episode. If you want to learn how to build a podcast network, how sponsorship works, how to get sponsors on your podcast and how to get them to sponsor your show and pay you money, this is the episode you're going to want to listen to. In this episode, I sit down with Charles Wood from devchat.tv, who has done all of those things and much more. So you'll enjoy this episode if you want to learn about sponsorships and how to build a podcast network. Enjoy. In a world where ad costs are continually rising and prospects are getting more and more skeptical about who they can trust, how can you reach new people in a way that's authentic and effective? A place where you can build trust at scale and convert skeptical prospects into raving fans and clients. Hey, my name is Luis Diaz, and you're listening to the Podcast, Podcast Domination Podcast Domination Show, the place for entrepreneurs and businesses that want to know how to build a podcast that helps them grow their business, get more clients, and build their brand. I appreciate your time. Thanks for joining me. Chuck, thanks so much for jumping in. Pumped to have you on the show because you came to me from a referral from a friend of mine who met you at PodFest. And, yep. and I jumped into kind of what you've got going on at devchat.tv, dude. And it's like, holy crap, like this is a whole world <laughs> that I don't even know existed. So good to have you on here, man. Yep, absolutely. Dude, I was thinking today, you've built a really cool, a really interesting platform with the network that you have. I know you started out as one podcast, so I guess, and I don't know if that's where, where your podcast journey started. I think you had a show before that. So I want to just definitely just kind of chat about your trajectory because it's a little bit different from most podcasters. They usually don't end up starting really, really cool, successful networks. So I'm interested right. how you took that path. Right. So my podcasting journey started in 2006. I had a coworker that bought an iPod, you know, back when they had like the circle control and yeah, yeah. <laughs> old school stuff, right? It had a real yeah. spinning hard drive in it, <laughs> wow. you know, 80 gigs. It took him a while to get back to that. Anyway, so he was listening to podcasts. Uh, we worked pretty closely together. I was at the startup I was doing software QA for them. And he'd be sitting at his desk just laughing at Grammar Girl or something. And I was like, okay, what are you doing? You know, so 
he's like, well, I'm listening to podcasts. And I was like, well, what's, you know, what's the story? And, and I can't afford an iPod. And he said, well, just get iTunes. So I was running the Mac beta for the company at the time. So I was one of like three guys in the company that had a Mac <laughs> computer on my desk. And I'd listen to podcasts on it, started listening to programming podcasts. To make a long story short, I reached out to a guy that was doing podcasts about programming that I was listening to and said, hey, I want to start a podcast. And you know, I thought I'd get the celebrity blow off. And instead, I got an email back the next day because he was just a guy like me, right? right? Just another programmer out there in the world. And he said, hey, yeah, you should start one. And, you know, you should do some interviews. So I interviewed him for episode one, interviewed a couple of other folks, eventually yeah. interviewed the guy who created the programming framework that I used at the time. Some people might have actually heard of him. His name is David Heinemeyer Hansen. And he's co-authored a couple of books with his co-founder at Basecamp named Jason Freed. Okay. And, yeah. I've heard Jason uh, Freed. And yeah. Okay. There's Rework, Remote. They've, they've got a handful of books. So business people kind of know who he is sometimes. I interviewed him for episode 50 of that show. It was called Rails Coach. At the same time, a friend of mine handed off his screencast series. So I did screencast for two years, also on programming. So that started to wind down. And I was talking to a friend of mine. He actually tweeted and said, I wish there was a panel discussion podcast for programmers. Mm. And I'd been thinking the same thing. I was listening to Leo Laporte, twit.tv. And he was listening to, I think it was called Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. Anyway, okay. so we were listening to different panel shows, but had the same idea. And so we got together, we started talking about it. I invited a bunch of other programmers to come on the show. He came up with the name Ruby Rogues because we were talking about the Ruby programming language and we started mm -hmm. the show. And that's kind of where things really started to take off podcasting wise. And what year was that just for context? That was 2011. It was May, 2011. Interestingly enough, it had a major impact on my career because at the same time, when we started that, I'd been freelance for about eight months because I'd been laid off from my job the previous year. So it was all just kind of this interesting serendipity there. Very cool. So from like 2011, now you've got, how many podcasts are in your network right now? Just there are about 16 shows. Of I've got a couple of them that I'm kind of sunsetting. They're interview shows that I just don't have time to run anymore. If I found people that wanted to run them and find guests for them, I'd probably keep them going. But I haven't really tried that hard for that. But Ruby Rogues was the first show still running on the network. I had somebody come to me and say they wanted another show about JavaScript, which, you know, people who aren't programmers who are web people know what JavaScript is to some degree. Started that show about nine months later alongside a freelancing show. And then, yeah, it kind of grew from there. We started an iOS show. I had some guys come and tell me that they wanted to start an Angular show and I told them to leave me alone and they came back. I told them <laughs> no again. They came back again. I finally said, fine, but you guys have to help me run it. That's been fairly successful. Yeah, and then a few years ago, we started a couple of shows because people were asking for those and it's just kind of yeah. grown from there. Interesting. So were you just listening to the market that entire time? Like people, when you got enough people to say, hey, we want to show about JavaScript, is that where the ideas came? For these new shows? That, that's mostly what I do now. Back then, I mean, I was just passionate about Ruby and wanted to start a, wanted to talk about Ruby. I had somebody that wanted to do the JavaScript show and I was into JavaScript, so we started that. The same with the freelancer show, iFreaks, which is our iOS show. I started that because I wanted to learn how to build iOS apps. I've actually built iOS apps, but not the way that we talk about on iFreaks. So. <laughs> 
It's a completely <laughs> different thing. And then I just generally either have people come to me and want to start the show, or I get a lot of people asking for the show. Our React, View, and Elixir shows all started that way. I just had so many people asking for them that I just went for it. Right. Got it. That's a whole other subject on its own, like figuring out when is it come enough people to make sense to launch a podcast conversation. I think what I wanted to definitely ask you about, because I think I've gotten some questions about this when it comes to starting a network. There's not, in my eyes, I haven't seen a lot of information on there. I may be blind or I haven't been looking hard enough, but there's, to my knowledge, there's not a ton of knowledge or accessible expertise around, hey, if I have a podcast and I want to do a couple more, I have some people who would be willing to do it. How do I go about starting a network? So I definitely want to right. kind of walk through the steps. You know, you've probably gone through a progression of where you were in 2011 to where you're at now. What does that look like for people who are potentially looking at this, going this route with the podcasting space? Right. So I kind of stumbled into it. So I, I had a podcast network because we started a couple more shows, right? In fact, devchat.tv as an idea really didn't exist until I was running four shows. They were all on separate websites. They were all hosted by different people, still are for the most part as far as hosts go. I mean, that's kind of the, the big first step is just starting your second, third, fourth, fifth, however many shows and running things that way. I went full-time on the podcast about five years ago. And that's when things really got serious. So I had a, a VA who was doing most of the editing and show notes and things like that. And I think that's yeah. really what it boils down to is just building that team and that infrastructure behind the podcast. Right. And then I kind of had that before with the same person, but then it was all unified under devchat.tv. And that allowed us to get some cross-pollination between the shows and things like that. So there was the payoff. But yeah, mostly you're, you're playing the infrastructure game at that point, right? So you have to decide, all right, do we host these all under their own domains? Do we do it all under their own website? Or do we do it under something like uh, WordPress multi-site setup where everything is sort of managed under the same setup? And then we can set everything up. I've gone through a couple of iterations, including having built my own platform in Ruby on Rails since I'm a developer. Right. <laughs> that was a terrible yeah, exactly. idea. By the way, don't do that. <laughs> yeah. So there are a lot of ways and a lot of trade-offs. I will tell you that WordPress is not super well set up to run several shows. You wind up creating custom post types and a bunch of other things. The best way that I've found, and it does take a little bit of technical know-how, is I just run what's known as a static site generator. And okay. So it's a program that generates static HTML, and then you just spit it out. And that's allowed me to kind of create the structure that I want and connect everything up the way that I want. And it's been pretty good. So I'm pretty happy with that. You could also use a back-end headless CMS to do that. If you're not technical, this is not an easy way to go. So you may wind up on WordPress anyway, and then just hire yeah. somebody to help you with all the other setup. But the key there is just custom post types. So use those words when you talk to your developer. It shouldn't take too terribly long. And there are tools out there will, that will create them for you if you want to dabble a little bit in PHP. As far as the rest of it goes, it's mostly a matter of managing the people. And so mm -hmm. making sure that everybody knows when to show up and what you're talking about and things like that. And if you're not organized, it's really easy to get lost in the shuffle. So what totally. we do is we have a calendar set up. So you just use a scheduling software. So we use HubSpot and their scheduling software, but we've used Schedule Once and Calendly in the past. 
different trade-offs for the different tools. We switched to HubSpot mostly because I was paying for it for a CRM and it had the features we needed. But Schedule Once works fine there and you can set up as many calendar setups as you want. We set up the same time every week to record. So the shows will record at a specific time on Tuesday, Wednesday, or Friday, I think is the days that our shows are on. And I'm not on all the shows anymore. Got it. So people um, are showing up and you just plug them into the calendar and they show up. Now, how does planning for, are you in charge of all the planning for all the podcasts or you leave that to independent hosts where it's like, hey, this is your show. You've got to right. you know, come up with the content. It depends. So for say the JavaScript and Ruby shows, my team actually finds guests. And typically what they'll do is they'll go look on Reddit, Hacker News, or some of the newsletters that give you a list of articles. Yeah. And they'll, they'll pick stuff off of there. And if they need my input, they'll ask for it. That saves me a ton of time. And most of those, if you pick the top ones, are pretty well curated. So it's pretty easy to work off of that. Our React Native and .NET shows... They, those hosts tend to find their own folks. Got it. And then if they need our help, then we'll do it. So it's kind of a mix there. And, and different hosts are going to be engaged at different levels. Another thing that happened was it was started. A guy came to me at an Angular conference, wanted to start a React Native show. Yes, I'm using terms that you probably don't understand. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's one technology and another technology. Okay. But he came to me at the conference, said, I want to show on this. I said, great, let's do it. He ran the show. Basically, it was hands-off for me for like three years. And then he got a job at Amazon doing other stuff. And he wound up super busy with the travel schedule. And that changed, right? So now we have another guy that I invited on because I kind of carried the show for a month or two and just, you know, went way out of my way to learn React Native. But I brought him in and then he said, hey, you know, do you want me to find guests? And I'm like, yeah. And then he came in and said, hey, do you want me to, you know, do you want to keep coming? Because if you don't, I can keep running things from here because I know you're busy. And so I completely bowed out of that show, right? And so I listen and make sure that everything's going well. You know, I just spot check the episodes, but that's pretty much it. And then I just offer support from my team to them if they need help getting other things set up. Got it. Now, someone's like thinking or listening to this and they're like, okay. I've got some friends or I've got people who I know would want to start a network. We all have our individual shows. Does production all run through you or is there a certain level that you have? Like, hey, you guys got to produce. Here's the level of quality in terms of audio that we're looking for or they already know this coming in. Right. So I produce it all on our network. Now I have a good friend, Daryl Darnell. Uh, He does Golden Spiral Media. He also has a podcast production company. On their network, I'm pretty sure that they do the production. They pay for it and get it done, and then they provide him with the finished audio. So I've seen it work both ways. I've also seen Podcast Network mean loosely affiliated group of podcasts that all have some kind of central tie together, right? And so it's basically an agreement to cross-promote and things like that, right? So it just really depends. Yeah, cause that's interesting. It's like, I know, if, you know, you can always just use a creative network, so to speak, for uh-huh. the cross-pollination benefits of having them shout out your podcast, you shout out their podcast, and there's, you know, right. mutual benefit between audiences. There's also obviously the more lucrative aspect of this, which is monetizing with right. sponsors and having this more weight. Essentially, when you go to a sponsor, you've got 10 shows as opposed mm-hmm. to when you have one. When that comes into play, I guess the benefit is obviously the hosts are getting paid a certain percentage of what they're bringing in in terms of downloads for the, the listeners? Like how does the sponsorship side work? 
I don't even know if you guys take sponsorships. I'm curious to ask you that. Too. We do. We take sponsorship. So I will preface this by saying that COVID-19 and some other factors have made it weird. When I started out podcasting, I just reached out to a couple of companies. They said, cool, you're starting a podcast and gave us money, right? 10 years <laughs> right. ago. Okay. That's changed because <laughs> podcasting has gone mainstream enough yeah. that you know, companies are looking at it and expecting an ROI just like they do on any other media advertising, right? So if you're looking at things like TV, radio, or podcasts, they're looking for that ROI. So it's a little bit different there. Podcasts in and of themselves kind of straddle the fence between like celebrity endorsement and traditional advertising, right? So it's a, usually a host-read ad, which means that they're hearing it in a voice that they know and like. The host can give some kind of testimonial. So right, so you get all kinds of stuff out of it. So I'm changing the structure on the podcast sponsorships now. I've looked at what some other people are doing, and I'm probably only going to have one, maybe two sponsors per show. And we used to do three. Nobody really wants the post roll at the end of the show. So we're probably going to wind up dropping that, and then we'll have a sponsor that gets a 15-second pre-roll and a 30-second mid-roll. And then if somebody really wants into the show, I might throw in another mid-roll somewhere for a discount. But that's kind of what we're looking at now. We used to do three pre-rolls and then just play the episode. And then we moved huh. to putting some into mid-rolls because we found that was more effective for our sponsors. And at this point, the mid-rolls are really the payoff, okay. right? You can throw okay. the post-roll onto those as kind of a, remember, go check them out right at the very end of the show. You know, Remember our yeah. sponsor. Anyway, that's kind of what we're looking at now. As far as how to find them, one thing that we've benefited from is having been around for the last 10 years, I have good relationships with a lot of developers and a lot of companies. Yeah. And what I tend to do is I'll reach out to people who I know work at the company that I want to sponsor, and I will network my way into the marketing department. I also have somebody that works for me that actually goes and looks up leads though and does cold outreach for me. And I can explain how I do all of that if you'd like. And then for the sponsorship, they get a banner on the website, they get a mention in the episode, and they get a link in the show notes. Got it. Okay. I think I, I get a lot of questions about that around for new podcasters. Um, and I'm like, I can help you, but it, with a network, it's a different beast. It's definitely a different type of beast yeah. when it comes to that, that level of sponsorship. So you have someone handling cold outreach for you full-time, and that's... Oh, she's not full-time. Oh, sorry. Right. Okay. So part-time oh, yeah. in terms of she's doing, yeah. she's handling cold outreach for you guys. Yeah. Uh, have you found it effective at all to bring people on? Like say if you know the CMO of a startup or you have a connection with them, have you found it effective at all to interview that person or to bring them like a, a podcast interview way and then just build a relationship and go from there? Yes, I've done that. Last year, our largest sponsor that we had was, I went to a conference and did a podcast interview at the conference and then they wound up sponsoring for like a year and a half. Okay. One thing to also keep in mind, though, is when I lose sponsors, it's generally because they hire a new CMO, <laughs> right? And so right. I don't have the relationship with the person I'm talking to anymore. And so yeah. they go and want to move on to some other initiative, which is totally fine. And it makes sense. That works. As far as interviewing the CMO themselves, most of the time, that doesn't work for me just because we have technical shows yeah. and the CMOs are not the people that we're going to be talking to. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I guess, would it be then someone else inside the company who is technical, yeah, so, who knows? Yeah, your so it's a CEO or a developer evangelist 
or even just a programmer that works on the product. Got it. Okay. I guess looking back now, if you were had all the knowledge you have now when you were starting your network, what would you change? What would you do differently in 2011 if you could flash back? I would have started more shows. <laughs> Honestly, because the longer the track record you have and... I mean, back then it was so early that there was really nobody else, right? I mean, in the Ruby space, there were like two other podcasts. I had good relationships with both of the hosts on those shows and made it work. And so by being established, it really helped. So yeah, if I could go back, I'd do that. One other thing is, is I think I would have experimented a little bit more with the format and sponsorships and things like that just to see what works and what doesn't so that I could give people a better idea. Because I've, I've wound up doing that now and we're being successful at it, but it would have been nice to know before, right? Because then we could just say, hey, look, if you yeah. do these three things, when you sponsor our show, you're going to have the ROI. Gotcha. And beyond that, I mean, the programming industry has changed a lot. And the things that people talk about and worry about have changed a lot both on the, the social geopolitical front. It's amazing yeah. how much that creeps into tech sometimes. And so I kind of wish I'd been a little bit more aware of that. And then the other thing is I'm just now, and it's funny because I've been podcasting for 13 years. That's a great, great point. Another thing you'd mentioned there, it's like 2011, there was barely anyone. 10 years from now, we'll probably say the same thing. Like, oh, 2020, yeah. there, was, there wasn't anyone there. There's only, there's only 30 competitors now. Now there's 300. <laughs> well, it's funny too, because people be are like, how do you see your competition? You know, the other JavaScript podcasts. And I, I mean, even still, because JavaScript's our biggest one, right? And I'm like, uh, oh, you mean the other five or six? I mean, back when we started JavaScript Jabber, yeah. I think there might've been one other, right? you know, right. and they, they were focused on jQuery. So, you know, it's like, I mean, people have enough time in the week to listen to all of us. So right, my competitor right. is, what are they listening to that's not us, that's going to make them drop us, right? Yeah. And that could be anything. Yeah, it's interesting. It's like, is to podcasting late? It's like, well, you'll be asking yourself the same question in 10 years, five years, two months from yeah. now. So it's not, you know, now's the best time. Or the other best time was 20 years ago, so, or 10 years ago. Yeah. You mentioned something interesting that I wanted to touch on. And, and I'm like, you working with sponsors so much, you know what works for sponsors. I had a, yeah. an interesting conversation with an affiliate manager. She basically runs a huge affiliate management agency. And she was asking me questions about podcast sponsorship and how that works. And the biggest thing, I guess, is like how to be successful as a sponsor. What have you found your most successful sponsors do or what's some things you guys help sponsors with to make them really profitable or ROI? Right. On this? So we're restructuring more toward this. But let me first start out by saying there are only five products in the whole world that you can tell people about and they will just go buy it when they hear about it, okay? (laughs) And it's not yours. So if you're a podcast sponsor, you're out of luck. It's not going to work that way, right? You know, I mean, it works for like big brands like Apple and Coca-Cola and stuff like that because essentially they're trying to get brand recognition. So when you go buy your next, you know, you go fill up your cup at the gas station, or you go buy your next computer, you're going to buy their product, right? So that's yeah. brand awareness is a totally different game. Most of the people I'm talking to, they're dealing with ROI. You know, they, they want to put $1 in and get $2 back. And if they're not getting that, then they're not happy. And right. so the ones that have really had this payoff are the ones that have some kind of nurture sequence or funnel or something like that on the other end. 
for example, we had one data dog, they sponsored and their deal was, is if you sign up for a free trial then you'll get a t-shirt. And within the first two weeks, they had thousands of people. I mean, it was nuts. I'd never seen a sponsorship <laughs> payoff like that, right? But then what happened is all the people after they got their t-shirts, they canceled their free trials. Right. Right. And, and there was no nurture sequence behind it. And so it was successful at driving traffic. And so it got them that upfront payoff. But there was nothing there to do the work to keep people there. And yeah. yeah, you could work through their setup wizard and blah, blah, blah. Maybe they could have made the t-shirt contingent on that and then just made the setup wizard so that it wasn't a giant pain. I, I can't remember. It, it didn't take me that long to get set up. But anyway, that's kind of the deal, right? So get people on your website or get them to get the ebook that you wrote or get them to write. And so what you're doing then is you're making them part of your audience and you're making it so that it's worth it to them to stick around for you. And then what you do is you turn around and you say, all right, now that you've gotten the book and you've gone through the email course and you know, you know us and like us, and you, maybe you've come to one of, our, one of our webinars, why don't you try out our product? And, and that's where the payoff is. I've done some affiliate stuff. And, and if you're brand new, I, I, I can't highly recommend enough affiliate stuff because you get to experiment with all this stuff and you don't have a sponsor relationship on the line if it doesn't work, right? You mean for podcast? Like, yeah, for podcasts, like referring or, or kind of promoting yeah. product CPA model where it's like, yeah, get paid if you make a sale. Cool. Yeah. Same yep. here. So you get started there and then you can go play with your own nurture sequences and things like that. And that's what we're structuring toward is it's, hey, look, you want to sponsor the podcast? That's great. Now let's talk about your funnel and how you're going to get people, you know, how you're going to make it pay off for you. Right. And yeah. if you don't have a plan for that, then as an upsell, we're going to offer to make that plan for them, right? So we'll build them the funnel and write the emails. And what we'll do is we'll actually pull in information and testimonials from our hosts and things like that and make that part of the product that we're offering. Because then what that does is it gets people to the point where they're actually going to convert for the sponsor. The other side of that is, is that obviously it has to be something that we, actually, we, we think will help our listeners and that we want to sell. But right. those products really aren't that hard to find. I've only told a couple of companies, no, I'm not going to let you sponsor. And it was because I didn't think it would help anybody. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you're wasting everyone's time at that point, right? Yeah. So, and I don't want people yeah. to feel like I'm just going to shill any garbage that comes my way. Yeah, exactly. That's really just points there in terms of sponsorship and how it works at the level where like this is a serious business for, because for most people it's not, but it's like, you don't get those insights from just dabbling. So it's right. always cool to bring on people who've done it and do this day in, day out, because you can really see what's working, what's not. Mm -hmm. Chuck, I'm curious to hear kind of what you're working on right now. What do you guys have in the pipeline? Where can people find out more information and, and yeah, check out some of the episodes and some of the shows? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, people who listen to this show probably don't cross over a ton with my audiences. Uh, the closest thing we have is our freelancing show. And we talk about marketing and you know reaching clients and things like that. And a lot of that's applicable to finding sponsors and things like that. So you can go mm -hmm. check out Freelancer Show, freelancershow.com. Things we have going, coming down the pipe. One thing that we did during the COVID-19 thing is for several years, I had put on online summits mm -hmm. and we went back to that. We had a bunch of people asking for that because the conference they wanted to go to got canceled. And that has been awesome. It's turned out so, so well. And so I'm, I'm working on setting up more of those for our audiences. 
and you know we have 16-ish distinct audiences so that's a lot of conferences a lot of work but we found some ways to make that really simple and so i'm working on pulling that together and pulling together kind of a walkthrough cheat sheet setup if somebody else is wanting to do it right so if you have a podcast audience of a thousand or more people and they're really engaged then you should be able to set up a conference like this and sell a number of tickets. So working on that, that's going to be at remoteconferenceplaybook.com. And then I'm also working on, for podcasters, I've wound up needing to document a lot of the processes that we use at (laughs) devchat.tv, right? And that's stuff that people are going to want. And so I'm working on putting that into a series that I'm going to put up at podsurge.com. It's going to be a paid series. I'll probably put up one paid and one free video per week. I'd like to get a couple of different series going and I'll probably start out hosting those myself. And then if somebody else comes in and says, you know what, I can take over the SEO or the website management or the recording and editing, then we'll have multiple coming out per week. But what I'm really looking for there is, and and this came out of the idea when I was new programmer, there was a series called Railscasts and it was, he did it. It was bi-weekly. One was free, one was paid. So I'm just stealing his business model. But what it was, was it was actionable thing that I could do that week, right? So it was a library that I could go put into my code. It was a technique that I could apply to what I was writing in code. It was, you know, some approach to managing this, that, or the other. So anyway, you you get the idea. But that's what I'm looking for, right? Is I want somebody to be able to come in and say, look, my big issue right now is, you know, selling off the back end of my podcast, right? So selling my product with my podcast. Or my big issue is um, my audio quality isn't great. How can I improve it? Or, you know, I need to hire an editor because it's getting crazy and I don't have time to edit. So how do I do that? And you kind of get the idea there. That's what I'm looking at putting out there. So it's, okay, here's how you do this thing for podcasts. And it's not this pie in the sky. Oh, you want to sell your book for your, from your podcast? Set up a funnel. Well, that doesn't help. How the heck do <laughs> yeah. I do that? Right? Yeah. yeah. So that, that's yeah, exactly. kind of what I'm looking at. Gotcha. Very cool. Should Search. be up by the com. end of June. Okay. We'll make sure it's in the show notes so that it's, yeah. uh, it's live or we'll direct people your way. Podsearch.com. Yeah. Podsearch.com. And uh, you can get on the mailing list right now. So people cool. can check it. Uh, you know. Yeah. We'll get that all rolling. Set. Awesome. Chuck, anything I didn't ask? I know we didn't get a chance to come over for summits, which, was, which is something that, that'll be fun, but definitely a full-length podcast for sure. Oh, summits. Any- you mentioned that. I should point that yeah. out to you. I've been in podcasting for a long time and I know a lot of the players, some of the old school players, some of the new school players, I am reaching out and I go to a lot of the events, right? You mentioned PodFest. I've been to Podcast Movement every year except one. I'm going to be putting on an online summit for podcasters probably the beginning of December. And that's going to be a podcast online summit or podcastersonlinesummit.com. So that page isn't up yet, but it will be soon. Cool. All right, cool. Make sure it's all linked in the show notes then. Anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? I'm trying to make sure I weave that question in every, every interview that I do nowadays. So, I mean, the, the only other general advice I would give, you know, and I don't know what question you would have asked to get this, is you can get pretty much whatever you want if you just do the work. So if you want to have a highly successful podcast, go do the work, right? A lot of people think, oh, so I just need to go and, and podcast my guts out. Well, that's not exactly what I mean. What I mean is, you know, go out and do the work as in record the podcast, make sure that they're high quality, make sure it's content people want, and then go out there and talk to other podcasters, see if you can get on their shows, go out there and post to social media, maybe pay for some ads to bring people back to your website, 
you know, go out there and do the work to get the word out, you know, and sometimes the work is, you know, paying attention to the one or two listeners that reach out to you. And sometimes the work is, you know, going and speaking at a conference, but, you know, just get out there and be very engaged in doing that if that's what you want. But yeah, go do the work. Really solid advice. Really solid advice, Chuck. Thanks so much again for coming on the show, man. And we'll make sure all the links are in the, that you mentioned are in the show notes. And I appreciate your time, man. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Hey, really quick. If you wanted to get daily emails to help you grow your podcast and your profits from your podcast, then you're going to love my daily email list called the Daily growth tip. Uh, It's basically a small email I send out every single day to help you do just that, either grow your podcast or grow the profits from your podcasting endeavors. So I've got a lot of great reviews from it so far from people who are on the list, and I'm sure you will find at least one thing in there that you'll be able to use right away. So if you want to check that out, then all you have to do is text the word podcasting to 1-646-495- nine, eight, six, seven. I know that's a mouthful guys, so don't do it if you're driving. But again, the number is one, six, four, six, four, nine, five, nine, eight, six, seven. And the word to text is podcasting. And that number, as well as the keyword podcasting will be in the show notes. So if you're on an Apple device, all you have to do is swipe up with your finger and the show notes will be there and you'll be able to get all that information and get on the list that way as well. So thanks again, my friend. Talk soon.